have your Bibles this morning. Now, I am fully aware that many people no longer bring a Bible to church, but you do have your device, and your device has version or whatever Bible application you want to download from your app store. I encourage you to do that so that you can always follow along with us. Let's put our Bibles over our heart for just a moment. I know this is a little religious, but... I have a declaration, it's sort of just a, it's a faith, something we do by faith where we declare words over what we're about to hear. This is my Bible, God's written living word to me. It tells me what God says I can have and it reveals to me who God says I am. Because it's how he thinks, I choose to believe and act on what I'll read. And therefore, I am transformed. Great. Well, we've been in a series entitled Begin Again. And I think I have a title slide here for you. So part one of this series was God Understands. Part two, Overcoming the Fear of Failure or Starting Over. Part three, was, which was last week, Taking the Sticky Out of Stuck. We discovered last week that a lot of us get stuck because of sticky things in our life and we need to get that sticky out so that we're not stuck any longer. All three of those previous messages are already up on our website. They're available in our church app. Today we're going to talk about your yes and your no. Next week, don't waste your mistakes. And then part six, a week from that, getting past your past. Last week I shared a verse of scripture that I have really drilled down on and I'm excited about it because I believe it describes our life and I know it describes the circumstances that many of you are in. Look at it, Isaiah chapter 43 here. Do not cling to events of the past or dwell on what happened long ago. Watch for the new thing I am going to do. It is happening already. You can see it now. I will make a road through the wilderness and give you streams of water there. I declare to you that regardless of what your circumstances are, you can begin again. God knows what you're going through. He's got your back. He sees the wilderness you've been in. And here's the word of the Lord to you this morning. He has a road through the wilderness I know it might look bleak, it might look like, oh my goodness, there's no way out. God knows the way out. And he's creating a path in your wilderness and he's putting streams of water there. So don't be too quick to run from your there because it's your there place that God provides streams of provision. Amen. (laughs) No matter what happens in life, you can begin again no matter what happens could we say this out loud no matter what happens in life you can begin again sometimes beginning again is impossible until we establish the boundaries of our yes and our no did you know Jesus speaks to this very issue he does we're going to look at it today Sometimes the biggest enemy of beginning again is what we've said yes to. How many of you have ever said 
yes to something that you wish you hadn't said yes to. Or maybe you've said yes to something and you're all involved in it and now it's got you entangled and saying no's just not an option. Actually saying no isn't an option, is an option and unless you do say no in some of those places where you've said yes, you won't be able to begin again. Our lives are like a canvas. I don't know if you've ever thought of that or not. Our, our life is like a canvas. We're painting a beautiful picture. You say, well my canvas, my painting doesn't look very beautiful. Well, the great thing is you can begin again. You can paint over or you can get a whole new canvas, but you are always painting a picture in your life. Its meaning, its color, the texture, the themes are all affected by what you say yes to and what you say no to. Yeses and nos are what boundaries are made of, actually. The paint, the brushes, the theme, and the frame. Your yeses and your nos create those boundaries. And if we learn how to establish healthy boundaries, we will be people who are alive, passionate about God's design for our lives, committed to healthy growing relationships, and willing to give ourselves to community. The ecclesia, Jesus called it ecclesia, the gathering together of people who are interested in knowing God. And sometimes, even in the middle of your yeses and your noes, the canvas that you've been painting on, and maybe the picture is well along, you need to start again. Not knowing how to say yes and no will often lead to dysfunctional relationships. Perhaps even being something that's called an enabler. How many of you have ever heard of that term, an enabler, to enable somebody, or that person is addicted to enabling. It, it's a, it can become sort of a personality trait. There's a lot of things behind it. Let me give some definitions. It, it's a noble desire to be kind. It's a noble desire to help people. Parents want to help their children succeed in school. That's good. That's noble. That's not enabling that might actually be empowering. Spouses want to help each other solve problems in life. That's a good thing, that's noble, that's even godly. Friends want to help each other at work or in their personal relationships. All of these are good things, good desires. We all want to be kind. We all want to help others succeed. But in that desire, and you know, Christ followers are especially sensitive to that, that inward draw to be friendly, to be kind, to be loving. And so, quite frankly, we often become the ones who are most relationally dysfunctional because we tie our religion into our dysfunction of not being able to say yes to the right things 
and no to the wrong things. Y'all are quiet this morning, but that's okay because I know you're thinking about what I'm saying. You don't often hear a message like this from the pulpit, but we're going to get into it today because Jesus actually did. There's a uh, psychologist, a therapist by the name of Sean M. Byrne, PhD, that talks about this subject of dysfunctional helping. Again, it's, it's, it's generally good to help people and to be kind, but it can become dysfunctional. Listen to her words, and I quote, one person's help supports, one person's help supports the other's underachievement, irresponsibility, immaturity, addiction, procrastination, or poor mental or physical health. So this now is the definition of dysfunctional help, right? This is no longer kindness, this is dysfunction. Again, one person's help supports or enables the other's underachievement, irresponsibility, immaturity, addiction, procrastination, or poor mental and physical health. She goes on to say, the helper does this by doing such things as rescuing the other from self-imposed predicaments bearing their negative consequences for them and accommodating their unhealthy or irresponsible behaviors and taking care of them such that they don't develop or exhibit competencies normal for those of their age or abilities. Although these unbalanced relationships can go on for some time, watch this, this is very important, especially to our discussion, they are ultimately unsustainable due to their consumption of the helper's physical, emotional, or financial resources and because they lead to resentment and relationship strain. Some of you here today are in such stress in your life that it has affected your health, it has affected your finances, your marriage, your career, all because of dysfunctional relationships where you didn't know how to say no. Out of a Christian desire to be loving and kind, you said yes, not realizing that some kindness is wrong. I almost titled my message that and thought, you know, if that goes out over the internet and of course we're live streaming, you know, and people see these titles before they actually hear the service. Question. Ask yourself right now. How have I been or how am I still an enabler? Here's some things you can use to check up. Do you often ignore unacceptable behavior? Do you find yourself resenting the responsibilities that you take on? <laughs> 
How often do we say yes to something only to resent later that we did? Do you consistently put your own needs and desires aside in order to help someone, someone else? Do you have trouble expressing your own emotions? Do you ever feel fearful that not doing something will cause a blow up and make the person leave you or even result in violence? How often have we stayed in a situation or in a relationship that was unhealthy, refusing to say no, to have a necessary ending because we were concerned about how it might affect us, hurt us, or whether the individual might even do violence. Oh my goodness, in today's culture, you can't even wear a particular hat or t-shirt without the threat of violence. It's gone crazy. It's a climate. Do you consistently lie or cover up for someone else's mistakes? Do you consistently assign blame for problems to other people rather than the one who is really responsible? Sometimes the biggest enemy of beginning again is what we've said yes to. Would you all say that out loud? Bless you, by the way. Sometimes the biggest enemy of beginning again is what we've said yes to. There are tools that can help us. Tools that can help us deal with the things that we say yes and no to and really get our arms around that and understand how to effectively be kind, be loving, help people, but not allow it to become dysfunctional. How many of you want that kind of life? You want to be loving, you want to be kind, you want to carry out the mission of Christ, but you don't want to slip into these dysfunctions that bind you up. How do we do that? Well, here's a couple of tools. Number one, you're going to have to learn to wrestle with turbulent emotions. What am I talking about? How many of you know that many people were unhappy with Jesus for things he said or things he did? One time, he healed somebody, set them free from a physical ailment, and the group around him, especially the religious people, got so angry at what he did, they tried to snag him and take him and throw him off of a, a hill, a cliff. The Bible says that he just passed through their midst, kind of like navigating these chairs. He just, he just went through their midst and disappeared. God can help you with those situations. He might require you to walk through it rather than take you out of it. But you're going to have to learn how to confront and deal with difficult, turbulent emotions. 
In Matthew chapter 5, verse 37, Jesus said, all you need to say is simply yes or no. He said that. Here it is from the Weiss. Well, I don't know, Jeff, if I actually got that up there in the Weiss. I didn't. Okay, let me read it to you. But let your word be yes and no. And that which is more than these is from evil, which is an active opposition to good. Imagine saying yes out of a desire to be kind and loving and it actually is in opposition to what is good, it's evil. You see, when you paint on your canvas your yeses and your noes, other people are going to get disappointed and upset, even angry. I remember a little woman who was part of our church, our first church, Cathedral of Praise. And bless her heart, she was a little elderly and uh, just a wonderful, wonderful little gal. But every service, every service, she would stand and she would begin to prophesy. And it was always the same prophecy. Coopers, you might remember this. And she'd started and ended it with, he's a bigger God. Our God, he's a bigger God. <laughs> now, she was Italian and uh, just looked the part and you know, she dressed the part and she uh, grandmotherly. And at one point we just had to stop and sit her down and have a word with her and say, you know, precious one, I'm not gonna give you her name. I don't. Some of you are here and you remember her because you were with us at Cathedral of Praise. You know, there's a time for prophetic words and there's a time not to. And yours seem to have a very, uh, a lot of similarity in what is said. And so we're going to ask you to be more discerning in when and how and why and all of those things that you, that you do. Another gal, and I'm not picking on the ladies, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm not picking on the ladies, it just so happens. This gal loved to play the tambourine. Thing is, she didn't play it well. Have you ever been in a church where somebody loves to play the tambourine, but they can't play it? They can't keep beat, they... And bless her heart, it wasn't only the tambourine, but dressed in kind of white flowing garb, there would just be somewhere in the service, a cue, somewhere in that worship service. She would light out of her seat and she would fire off across the front, banging that tambourine and dancing and whirling. Now I love freedom. I, I believe that our worship services ought to be filled with freedom. 
But there's another principle according to what Paul gave us and wrote in the book of 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14 that regulate the worship service and tell us that we're not supposed to do things that are distractions to everybody, draw attention just to ourselves, and that the greater whole don't understand. That's the principle. So we had to sit down and we had to have a discussion. Well, she got very upset that she, we, we were telling her she couldn't play her tambourine. She couldn't dance and fly across the front of the, the church like that. But you know what? Boundary setting always releases emotions. But yes and no are not emotions. You can't let the anger of others or your desire to please determine your boundaries. Wrestling with turbulent emotions. Next, you can trust the voice of the Holy Spirit. He's like a compass. And you know how a compass works, you know, north, south, east, and west. Picture a compass. You have your yes and you have your no. And sometimes we need a little help choosing the right one. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is there as our teacher, as our guide, as the one who leads you into all truth. And that you can trust your yes and you can trust your no. You just need to be willing to tell some people no. <laughs> no. You're not going to fly across the church altar every service and play your tambourine. You're not going to do that. Well, you're trying to stop me from, you're trying to limit my freedom in the Lord. You're, you're quenching the Holy Spirit. Well, I beg to differ, and I believe I have scripture, but it's okay. The Lord will help you. But we're not going to do that anymore. See, it doesn't always go over well. This thing, this compass, this internal guidance system that you have from the Holy Spirit. Here's the deal. He's there to take care of you. He will never lead you in a way that would be disturbing, that would upset you, that would cause you to have less, to be less, or to compromise. He is there to take care of you and to help you manifest Christ-likeness and the kingdom of God. You can trust him. And number three, this is a great tool, your peace and your rest. You know when you give your yes that sometimes you've had something go off like an alarm on the inside of you that said that no, don't, don't, that's, that's not right. Don't, wait, stop, haven't you? See, that's the Holy Spirit. And here's the deal. Whenever you've given a yes or a no, and afterwards you are in unrest continually and question constantly so that your mind cannot be peaceful, that's not God. There's a reason you're feeling that. In Hebrews, 
the writer of Hebrews says that we have entered his rest. Jesus said this, and I believe I do have this scripture, Jeff. Let's see, is it here? Yeah. This is from Matthew chapter 11. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Jesus said yes and no. He made people mad with his no. You're not going to do that. Or yes, I am going to do this. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of life. When things for you are constantly forced, that is a rhythm of life God has not called you to. God does not call you to a rhythm in life where you feel you're constantly forced regarding that issue, that thing, that person, that commitment you've made. Never. I won't lay anything heavy or read it out loud. Ill-fitting. I will not lay anything. What does anything mean? It covers just about everything, doesn't it? <laughs> I won't lay anything on you that's what? Ill-fitting. Now, I'm not talking about the need sometimes to make a commitment and see it through, even in the midst of battle, even in the midst of stress, even in the midst of difficult circumstances. You're going to fight, stand your ground, and see it through. That's different than ill-fitting. I'm talking about what you're painting on your canvas. I'm talking about when you step back from your canvas and you look at what you said yes and what you said no to. You don't like the picture because the picture actually speaks about you. And you know it's wrong. And you know the image per, uh, that, that's portrayed in that painting is not you. And Jesus said, I will give you nothing that's ill-fitting and keep with your, if you keep company with me, you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Freely and lightly. In other words, you can go through the worst storms and like Jesus, be asleep in the bow of the boat and everybody else is crying, we're sinking. And they go and they wake Jesus up and he says, what's the problem, guys? And he looks and he speaks to the wind and the waves and he says, be still. And they all just calm down. The ability to speak to your circumstances and repaint and begin again. I didn't say repent. I said repaint and begin again depends on a proper understanding of who you are, who Christ has made you to be. And you speak out of that assurance and out of that authority. Sweetheart, I haven't looked at you much here in you knew some of what I was going to say here. I'm wondering if you have any illustrations of things. <laughs> Not ones I want you to share, <laughs> so I should just keep going. Your peace and your rest, so important. 
I've often had to stop and look at different things because I'm a workaholic. I often don't know when to say no and just not work. If it needs to be done and I can do it and I see it, I generally will jump in and do it. And so I've had to say no. I'm just not going to do that. It just will remain undone then. Then I had to learn, especially as a young man, when I had three different jobs, my wife is pregnant, giving birth, and all of this is going on. I had to learn to say no to some things, some appointments, some friendships, some nights out, and say, you know what? I'm a father, and I'm going to be at home. Some of you know that uh, my personality type is um, if you take a personality profile or whatever, we've used one called DISC, D-I-S-C. On that profile, my personality type is the C, very high on the C and very high on the D. The level of my D depends on the social environment I'm in and the work environment I'm in. So my D goes up when I'm at work. My, my D goes up when I have to be in charge of something. D means decisive, determined, uh, you're, you're very short, you're not interested in talking, you just, you know, how? Grab that microphone there, honey. So the, the D personality trait, which you, you have as well, yours, in fact, yours goes up way above the average line at times. At times. And yes, we are wonderful people, come on, aren't come we? Come up here. Come up here. Come on so up the D here. is dominant and decisive, results-oriented, right. quick to make decisions, okay. that sort of thing. Whereas your C is very, it's conscientious, critical thinker, detail-oriented, perhaps a perfectionist, you know, uh, <laughs> sees details without even thinking about details. So you're a very detailed person while also a take charge person. And one of those might go up higher depending on the circumstances yeah. or might drop or they operate together. Yeah. Yeah. What did so you want me to I'm, say about that? Well, no, that's, <laughs> that's great because I don't have, my wife used to use that uh, personality profile used to in her teach teaching. Yeah. She used to teach it. And so it was a tool in a teaching ministry that she had with a partner. And so she's uh, very familiar with it. And so I've been analyzed many times. And, uh, it doesn't do any good at no, all. Yeah. <laughs> no. No, because when you find out your personality type, what you're supposed to do is then, and the other person's, is use it to work with them and who they are. So, right. Yeah. No, it doesn't do any good for me to analyze you because I'm supposed to work with who you are. There's where, that's where the yes and no, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus said you should say yes or no to me sometimes. <laughs> well, those were the stories I didn't want to tell. Oh, that you didn't want to tell. Yeah, okay. the couple, I can remember, when, when he asked me when the service started, if you have any stories as this goes along that you want to tell, something comes to mind, and I've been sitting over there going, well, Lord, are there any stories you want me to tell? Well, you know, all my stories are me telling him no when, <laughs> when I finally stood up and I'd say no, and of course it would make him mad to say no, 
and certain things would happen and um, and enduring that was very difficult to do but then it would give us a new beginning right and of course and I do remember and but again these are also personal I can't tell them I don't I feel like they're just a little too personal but I remember one time when I was very upset with you about something and rightfully so and we had discussed it a number of times and finally you said to me that's enough we don't need to discuss this anymore well I was emotional about that because I had been hurt and I was upset, but we had discussed it many times. And when you told me, no, we're done discussing this, it's time to let this go. I mean, I had to go seek God and had to talk to God about it and finally was able to come to a place, but you set a boundary. I'd come to a place where I said, okay, he's right. It's time to quit rehashing and rehashing and rehashing this. And, uh, and we began again. It started a new thing because you said no. Right. And likewise with some of the things that I said no to you about that you got upset with. And uh, one time walked out, left the house, and I thought, oh, well, whatever that means. And, and, but when you came back, you apologized to me, and it created a new start for us. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Isn't that good? <laughs> and I, I think it's good to be just honest and transparent before people as we're attempting to be here with you. And so if it's taking the dogs out for a walk or, you know, telling people, you know, I am not a device. I am not always on. I am not always available. And you will not communicate with me regarding matters of the heart or offenses or important things using texts and email. I don't do that. And so that's a policy that I have, especially with my staff. And uh, there's been times where we've run into that wall and people, you know, want to pour out and, and say everything through an email or a text. And I don't do that. I've had people get so angry and so mad that they've left the fellowship of the church over that. Sometimes the biggest enemy of beginning again is what we've said yes to. Sometimes beginning again is impossible until we establish the boundaries of yes and no. I'm going to play a song for you here that talks about beginning again. And during this song, if there's an opportunity in it for you to avail yourself of the front area here, we're going to have individuals who can pray, who can touch, who can love you well. You may just want to reflect in your seat. You may need the action of coming up front and kneeling. We're going to lower the house lights. I know that it's difficult when you heard me say that kindness can be wrong for you to process that. Maybe you got stuck there this morning. But let me share this with you. Second Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10 says, For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work, he shall not eat. 
This is talking about an unwillingness, not an inability. It's talking about people who are able but unwilling. And Paul says, don't get caught up in that being an enabler of people's <coughs> laziness. Proverbs 28, 19. Those who work for their land have an abundant food, but those who chase fantasies will have their fill of poverty. Proverbs 26, as a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. A sluggard buries his hand in the dish, but he's too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. A sluggard is wise in his own eyes. Paul said in Galatians 6, don't be misled. You can't mock God's justice. You will always harvest what you plant. All of these speak to the fact that there is a yes and a no in our lives and we have to be careful about what we say yes to. What right now in your life, I'm going to ask that question again and so that I really phrase it correctly. What in your life right now still has you being an enabler? In what way have you been or are you now an enabler? And you need to just bring that before the Lord and surrender and say, Lord, lift that, take that. Because I want to enter into that Matthew 11 rest. 